All right. Hi, everybody. It's RCFB Talk 182. It is Thursday, probably Tuesday night. This is when we like to talk to you about everything going on in college football. My name is Bob Akhairi. And again, if there's anything you'd like to talk about, just go ahead and hit request. I can see John's already here. I'll let him up in a moment. Lots of things to talk about. Um, always is. It's been this offseason. It's been relentless. Maybe it's an uh, indication of what it's going to be like in the future, especially now as the college football season gets longer and longer. One kind of quick note, and I, I thought this was kind of a cute observation, only because of how it, it speaks to how long it has been for the tenure of Nick Saban, that um, Ben Stansfield observed today that yesterday, Kalen DeBoer became the first ever Alabama head coach to send a tweet. So I guess that was kind of an interesting observation. That's where we are right now. But I'm going to go ahead and let John up. Again, if there's anything you'd like to talk about college football, hit request uh, on the Twitter app, I guess. Still haven't moved it to desktop as well. Um, and you can join the conversation about whatever it is you'd like to talk to. Lots of things going on also, I should mention. We can get into a bit of the uh, – we're in kind of an interesting – split between two days of meetings on the college football playoff and where it's going. The one thing I did want to mention is they finalized the plan, which has been talked about for ever since the summer of switching to a, a five plus seven format. What does that mean? Um, originally it was going to be planned a uh, six teams. We're going to have automatic bids. I mean, the way it was phrased was the top six conference finishers, which by implication was, the former P5 and one of the G5 programs, along with six at-large bids, with the implosion of the Pac-12 and the fact that all of the, uh, apparently the conferences all agreed and they had agreed unanimously that the Pac-2 wasn't going to be able to qualify for a bid, uh, it switched to now the top five conferences, so presumably the four finishers from the um, SEC, Big Ten, Big 12, and ACC, plus one of the other teams, uh, the, the top finisher in a conference, will get in as automatic qualifiers, and then the rest of the seven will be at-large bids. That includes um, Notre Dame would have to battle for an at-large bid, as well as uh, Oregon State and Washington State. So, hey, John, I'm gonna go ahead. I know you're up here. Why don't you go ahead and unmute? Love to hear what you're thinking right now. Hey, man. Happy Wednesday. How you doing? Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> Not quite Wednesday. It's Tuesday, but yeah, I know. It feels I, like I, it. I think I continue the theme of uh, you mislabeling Oh, days the Thursday. Yeah, no, <laughs> trust me. I uh, These days, sometimes I'm just kind of like, man, it is a late night. But I love talking to people about college football. It perks me up. What's on your mind? Hey, um, well, I want to ask about your uh, what you thought about Charlie Baker's uh, – Statements today, the NCAA president, um, talk about first calls, talk about antitrust laws. And I, I think the more hilarious thing, pretty much telling college football coaches to suck it up and stop complaining about kids transferring from your school or, uh, or, or unlimited transfers in that regard, saying, you know, coaches walk out on their contracts. Why not players? I was kind of curious on your thoughts about that and the antitrust comments he had today. Yeah, no, no, that was I, I absolutely know exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, he. Uh, again, the the striking comment was he wants nothing to do with um, with uh, with additional transfer limitations, and that was kind of the, I guess he had a long interview on ESPN, um, and I think there was a really nice. I think the top comment in the Reddit post on it really summarized that they just don't want to get sued and lose again because right now they know that it's open season on the NCAA in the court system. And anything that looks like they're causing any kind of restriction 
could potentially is just going to inevitably be shot down. So they're they're trying to be, I think, and Charlie Baker's trying to be savvy in how they play this game. They they're looking for they know what battles they're going to they're willing to fight, and this just is not one of them right now. So um, yeah, it's kind of fascinating. I, I I don't know if we're um, sorry, I'm trying to switch one thing there on the on the system, but yeah, I don't know if they are. Uh, if they're planning to, because I mean, right now we, we've seen that, you know, obviously the, the the Virginia and I believe Tennessee are going after them on that particular topic. Um, I don't think it kind of fits into the bigger question of where we see the shift in, because there's, I was listening to an interview with um, Kirk Herbstreet earlier today and it was on the athletic and I, I hear like I, res- I don't mind Kirk. I know he he's burned a lot of people and, and I think part of it is just, he's been around for so long that his entire career, and he made a point, he's like, I forgot he's been on, I mean, he's been on ESPN for like 28 years, and he joined it when he was 26, so he's been a lot alive longer as an ESPN staffer than he has anything else. So I think sometimes when his opinions come up, he isn't necessarily a mouthpiece for ESPN, he's just, he lives and breathes that company, so he, he doesn't realize he comes off that way. But he was kind of making comments about, you know, like, oh, I'm concerned about players being able to just transfer, and, and part of me... I hear people like that, and I know they don't necessarily hear themselves speak, but it's, you know, players should have an opportunity to move. And I mean, once we said players deserve at least some form of compensation, it was really hard to to come up with uh, a limit on on where we wanted that to be, in my mind. And um, and some of that, you know, I mean, I think a lot of them, just, I mean, it's it's hard to to restrict it without running into problems. You know, it, it kind of brings a problem that happened in this past, you know, in this past week, since the last time we had an RCFP talk, you know, Sean Elliott left Georgia state two days in the spring practice to go be, you know, to go join the staff, not even the head coach, obviously of South Carolina. And if he can just do that, I mean, the idea of restricting some of the players, it just, it, it rings hollow. Uh, in a lot of ways. So I think, you know, one of the, the comments that uh, Charlie Baker made um, was he basically said, you know, and this this quote, and I'm going to read it. It's like, I've had conversations with a bunch of coaches who didn't necessarily, and I guess, you know, walk out on their contracts. But one thing I hear from kids when I talk to them is the issue, coaches walk out of their contracts, what about us? So that kind of, you know, if they can do it, why can't I do it? it it's a hard thing to reconcile. And while I'm not, I admit, I'm not totally thrilled with the concept of players being able to like leave and move around, and I'm sure nobody entirely is, it's hard to to restrict it outside of declaring them all employees, coming up with some CBA, collective bargaining agreement, which that may be coming at one point or another, but until that's there, it's it's a difficult one to, excuse me, to reconcile uh, and, and make it work. Yeah, I... Um... I'm, I'm kind of curious of the, of the direction of the NCAA as, in general from this point forward because, you know, the more freedoms I think players and colleges get, you know, it sort of kind of begs the question of, you know, does the NCAA serve a purpose in college athletics? I was kind of curious of what that looks like in the long term as well. You know, I think it's always going to – it's an interesting situation. I do wonder if the answer – and I've been leaning this way for a while, and it sounds like there are more – um more of the the powers that be are kind of headed this way potentially is do we need to see at the very least the football programs the top football programs depart and become their own entity to manage them 
And the reason I'm mentioning that is because the NCA does have a purpose for all of those D3, D2, and quite a few of the D1 programs that aren't necessarily bringing in enormous sums of money. Because that's part of the reason why the NCA, I think, has always acted the way it does, is it's, it's supposedly serving a lot of programs, the majority of which are not scholarship program or or if they're not scholarship programs very limited scholarships and certainly um not at the level of let's say the top of really the top of the P5 or the P4 I should say I mean it's it's come up before but you know looking at what's happening at Arizona right now um Arizona has been obviously in the news ever since the season when they apparently were unable to uh, to account properly. At first, it was reported $244 million shortfall. It's apparently $177, only $177 million. But the finances, uh, the situation they're in is going to cause cuts at, at many different levels, including potentially athletics. And in the, the reporting, it's, you know, they... They were doing kind of a you know a reality check moment uh, in the past couple of weeks, just internally and tr- trying to figure out what to do with Arizona's um, uh, financial situation. And they pointed out, like ath- they're like athletics has not been able to to really uh, increase its income at the University of Arizona since before the pandemic. I mean, the pandemic was its own factor in and of itself, but over the last seven years, they haven't seen any substantial increase. And they pointed out that like you know they've been running a red on the the zone of the $30 million mark where the universities had to help cover some of those funds. So that's Arizona. That is a program that has been P5 since at the very least 1978, right? So um, since when they joined the the Pac-8 so uh, and became the Pac-10. I mean, we're going really far away. So I think that's one of those interesting kind of pushes and pulls. I mean, for some of these programs, the NCAA does serve a purpose, um, and especially we're talking about the vast number of programs that are not in that that top 60 or so teams. Um, some of those who I just mentioned may not even be able to quite make the numbers work entirely. So do they have a purpose for them? I know you wanted to add more, John. Yeah, actually, I did uh, want to slightly change the subject because um, we are talking about finances. And um, actually, I was thinking about this when, you know, with Arizona's issues. Are there any programs that you particularly think could be, you know, sort of, you know, doing what, you know, Idaho did and or other schools have done in the future by dropping down to the FCS level? Um, there's two schools that come to, to mind uh, personally for me. One being uh, UMass, just with, you know, the continued troubles they've had ever since they've come up to the FBS level. And another one being Hawaii for different reasons, of course, just being a program that's struggling to, you know, just. And, you know, of course, it's always been a kind of a struggle. I think of them just with, with travel finances, coming from you know, coming from Hawaii to the visiting programs, but also at the same time, you know, with NIL, with the expectation of you know, this is an additional additional amount of you know, different landscape of college football. Just kind of curious of what you think of, uh, you know, those that possibility happening if not this year, within the next several years. That is an interesting question. I don't know. Um, Hawaii is an interesting one only because I don't think they could, they would probably have to drop football altogether because if they were to, let's say move football to FCS, I'm not sure what FCS programs could make that work. Cause really you needed FBS programs to make that kind of travel work to the islands and, and, and it's costly and, and, and they even have to incentivize people, of course, with the Hawaii rule that if you're not a, uh, if you're a non-conference uh, Hawaii opponent playing at Hawaii, you get that extra opportunity to get a home game to add to your revenue. But FCS would be a, a much tougher situation. So I think if Hawaii ever had to 
move football from FBS and would probably financially just have to drop it all together, unfortunately. Now, as for um, UMass, that's been an interesting situation. It just seems to have been mismanaged constantly because they were briefly in the conference. They left, and, and I think it was for the sake of, I assume, other sports, but they have just been kind of languishing a bit. Um, I, there's other programs, too, that might have to fall into that. I mean, if if the the especially if we have to start compensating, if schools have to start compensating the players at a level that is closer to employment, I think we're going to see a bigger shakedown. I mean, we're really in an interesting I mean, I've been debating about having this discussion with uh, with another program I do. And, and the question of. Is it better now just to embrace this level of greed rather than than decry it? Because at this point, I'm not sure the genie can go back in the bottle. I don't know at what point does it stop. I mean, for now, theoretically, I mean, it's funny to say this because, again, going back to that interview I was hearing with Kirk Herbstreit, it was interesting to hear a voice that reflected a way of thinking that was flawed because he said something that I remember was to be said like, you know, the BCS system, you know, every game was a playoff game. I said, yeah, okay. If you were like from a handful of conferences, realistically, there was, there was no way a Mac team was ever going to compete for the top two spots in the BCS the way that was said, at least with the 14 playoff, we had that one year where since he made it in the 12 team playoff, suddenly the G the top G five or how we're going to call them now, uh, program will get a chance to at least be in that 12-team playoff and presumably have a shot. So now it's interesting. Going into this season more than ever, the worst possible teams, uh, at least in the conferences, have a shot at going there. But it's funny because now we're talking about UMass. They're an independent. I don't know how UMass's schedule would ever let them in. I mean, the chance of them being an at-large is extremely low. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, the usual team I tend to bring up, not because I don't like them, but because they're kind of a, they've always been a struggling team ever since they moved up from FCS uh, in the in the 90s is Akron. And I mean, Akron could theoretically enter the season knowing that if they were to win out and be the top G5 program, they would be in the playoff and theoretically have a chance, a better chance than they ever have in their history to go to the national championship, um, which again, I know is extremely, extremely unlikely unless you're playing NCAA football. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you couldn't say that before. So it, it's an interesting question. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you know, independence and the playoff, um, I've, something that was, I thought was interesting today with, the, with, the, uh, with today's ruling with, you know, the four automatic conference winners and the rest of the eight teams. Do you think that forces Notre Dame's hand at this point? Do you think they kind of, do you think they stay with the risk of saying, hey, we don't want to join a conference, but we're going to try to hopefully be top four? And still, maybe, maybe get uh, you know. I, I, I'm kind of curious what you think about that. If that forces of the join, and also, and um, versus what where we're doing right now with the four and eight or five, well, it's, it's, five, it's, five and it, five and seven. It's technically five and seven. I just want to be clear. Yeah, it's not like they didn't do four and eight. That would have been brutal. Then they would have they would have probably excluded the uh, the G five in most years. But um, yeah, no, I don't know. It was interesting because going into today. There were rumors that the uh, Washington State president, who was on this particular committee, uh, was not going to was going to because they needed unanimity. He was going to somehow hold it up so they weren't going to be able to move to five and seven, and it would be potentially up to two years where it would be a probably a six and six format. And if it had remained a six and six format, it actually would not have helped 
Wazoo, Oregon State, because as we just said, they couldn't be automatic qualifiers because they've all somehow unanimously agreed, or at least the rules were written so that a T of conference with two teams couldn't get an auto- automatic bid or qualify. So their only chance would have been to battle for an at-large, and there would have been one fewer spot than there are now with a five and seven. However, if they had let that move forward and it had remained the six and six, it would have benefited the G5. You would have ended up with the power four sending their champions and you would have had two of the top G5 conference winners would have ended up in the playoff had this stuck at a six and six. So all the conversation was kind of like, yeah, go Wazoo, go Oregon State, cause problems. But to me, I think everyone in the G5 would have actually benefited had they not, you know, decided to agree to, from what it sounds like, and again, we haven't, I don't think anyone's um, passed the number around, but some of the reporting, and I believe Dennis Dodd had it, you know, Oregon State and Washington State received a few million dollars extra these next two years. Um, and, you know, they're saying, you know, he, he, because he, he doesn't have a clear statement here, and I, I don't think anyone will know for a while. It, it's not clear if it was directly responsible for the, the Schultz who was with Wazoo switching his vote. Um, but certainly that was influential, potentially, it seems to be, in allowing this to move to the five plus seven model. So those few million dollars that, uh, that pleased Oregon State and Washington State, at least for the next two years, have kept it. Uh, have have unfortunately blocked out that potentially second automatic qualifier from the G5 because that would have been fascinating. I don't think that was talked about enough um, that if it had stayed six and six, the beneficiaries would have been the G5. So you would have had potentially the American and Conference USA champs going into the, the playoff. And that might have gotten a lot of people's attention had it actually ended up that way. But of course it didn't. So we're going to just one of the G5 automatic qualifiers um, with the way it's set up now. You know, another thing, and and as I mentioned kind of at the outset, we're in between two days of important meetings with this. So today went smoothly. Wazoo and on behalf of Wazoo and Oregon State agreed to the arrangement. So it's going to be a 5-7 playoff for the next two years. And again, just to, to qualify, we keep saying the next two years because there still hasn't been any agreement on what the playoff is going to look like after the next two seasons. That's just the way it's been set up. Um, And that's where tomorrow's coming in because the big question is whether or not or what the... the, Because it sounds like heading into tomorrow, they're going to get the proposals that the Big Ten and SEC have been thinking about, which is how they're going to potentially um, look at a future playoff in terms of maybe increasing the number of automatic qualifier spots for certain conferences. In other words, like the top two teams from the Big Ten or maybe the top two teams from the SEC or both probably will also be guaranteed spots. I'm not sure how much that will go or how well that will float with a lot of the other conferences, especially the G5. If I know and I I understand the position of the two commissioners of those the two Super Leagues, I mean... You do advocate for your teams. You do everything you can for them. But, I mean, the whole reason we had so many of these changes, especially for those of you who were around in the BCS era, it loosened up the rules as the BCS went on because it was starting to get political pressure. Utah led the way um, with their own con- with their own senators and things about kind of grumbling that it was stacked against the uh, the then G5 programs, which included Utah when they were doing really well. 
So this could potentially put them in an, an awkward position. However, if the CFP doesn't do something or at least calm the Big Ten and SEC from maybe getting really upset, there is a potential, and, and as we've talked about last week, they've created their strategic alliance, or however they're calling it. I know they're not calling it an alliance because that has some really negative connotations in college football after the last one you know, ended up with the Pac-12 dead on the floor. But the, uh, the, the potential is the Big Ten and SEC could, after the next two years are done and there is no more, you know, the CFP has run its course, they could create a proposal for a new one. And they could do that very well right now and say, like, all right, cool, we'll sit out, we'll contractually finish our obligations with the CFP, and then this is our new proposal, this is our new playoff, maybe with 16 teams, maybe with – and by the way, that's still possible. They could say that the CFP goes to 16 after two years. Um, to accommodate this kind of circumstance, there will be no, in which case there would be no uh, bye weeks for, there would be no there, no teams that get to sit out, I should say, uh, uh, sit out the first round. Everyone would jump into a first round game. But, um, and and that ties in also, just before I forget, and I see, oh, hey, Ron, I see you, I'll let you up here as well. But um, that ties into what they've been talking about with ESPN, because ESPN, as it was reported and now has been walked back, has supposedly tentative at first it said they'd come to an agreement to um be a partners in the the uh, the tv programming for the college football playoff for the next you know i think it was like five six years six years seven years but the problem is um it sounds like they said we're the, it's it, the later reporting said they're not 100 percent in and i think the reason and it makes sense is because it's still unclear the the conferences and schools themselves have not agreed to what the playoff's going to look like two years from now so once they do, then I think we'll start to see that. But I think ESPN is being probably wise in that because if, let's say, the CFP negotiations tomorrow really just bomb and we suddenly hear, I don't know, maybe by this, it always seems to be coming this summer. So let's just say a hypothetical, this summer the Big Ten and SEC come out with, all right, cool, after the next two seasons, here's the new playoff we're proposing, take it or leave it, our teams are headed there, You know, we'll leave spots for the rest of you to join us if you'd like. Um, ESPN would probably follow them more than they would follow the rest. So that's kind of the, the, the careful dance of negotiation that's going on here. And I mean, to be fair, the SEC and Big Ten all, all theoretically should be aware that they could alienate a lot of the potential viewership if they do that kind of a move. Um, there's a lot going on. I mean, this is really one of the more interesting offseason weeks we've had only because we're now sitting right between these two meeting days that could have a very big ramification on what college football looks like in a couple of years. Uh, Ron, what's going on? You, what's up? How you doing? Good. Nice. So have you read that terrible opinion article about Cal and Stanford? Oh, the, the one where they might just drop football altogether rather than go. I mean, I think it was John, was it John Canzano, the, the Pac-12 writer. Yeah. Um, Stanford, I'm going to just read the title for those who haven't heard it because it's a great title. Stanford and Cal are not going to be caught dead along Boise State and Fresno State. They weren't interested in being left in the same room as Oregon State and Washington State either. I think they choose to cease playing football before it came to joining them if, you know, yeah, theoretically, if the ACC were to break apart. <laughs> that is so funny. That that would never happen. There's like it's such a dumb article. Like that there's no way they would ever do that. Yeah, it's a pretty hot take. That one 
I, I have to admit that one is probably one of the the, the hottest takes I've read in ages. Like, it just it goes beyond hot take to just such an unbelievable. That, yeah, like, it's yeah. it's not even like a hot take. Like Charles Barkley saying something stupid is funny, you know, and it gets it, it gets views. This is just so unbelievably far from truth of the situation that like it would never happen in a million years. Yeah, I think the I mean, quite frankly, you know, I think what they would if worst case scenario they would just go independent. Because they could easily pull a, a schedule together, but I, they would never drop football. It's too, it's too much a part of their their history. I mean, okay, if we're gonna go back to real history, it'd be really funny if they said like, "All right, we're just gonna focus on rugby again." But they have rugby teams, and Cal's rugby team is actually really good. But I mean, the only reason I bring that up is because those who know they're really, I mean, I'm talking hundred year plus history now, hundred and ten year old history. The Pac-12 or whatever now the Pac-12, the the teams that were playing at the time. This is before UCLA was even playing football, by the way. Cal and Stanford both decided to drop football and start playing rugby. So USC had to go along with them and a couple of other teams on the West coast had to go along with them. So for like a five to eight year period, depending on the school, they didn't play football. They played rugby. So it would be really funny if they decided to go in that direction, but they're not, they're going to keep football. But I mean, you know, worst case scenario is they'd go independent. I don't know. I, and even that, I don't think they'd be that, weird about joining i mean there is snootiness no doubt there is there's, absolute snootiness. I, I honestly think there's no way they fall out of the big 10 or sec just purely off of academics alone like at the end of the day these are still colleges like yeah it's about the money but at the end of the day it's still about the academics are still there and that alone carries so much weight and they can figure out their football teams eventually Rutgers is figuring it out for, for you know anyone can do it yeah, it's funny, though, because the Big Ten already does have some really hard schools to get into among their their list. I mean, it, yeah. you know, Northwestern's obviously an excellent school. Technically, Johns Hopkins sort of gets a gets to join in, even though they don't have football. They're in other some of their other sports. So they sometimes get an honorary uh, inclusion to all of it because of that lacrosse team and the fact that they're part of the same research group. But I mean, yeah, USC and UCLA are going to really drop that number. Um, it's funny, too. I can't remember like. It, I definitely really, think the SEC would really like them, even if they're not good at football. Just their academic standards are so. They already high. have Vandy. They already have Vandy. Oh, Vandy's, Vandy, Vandy's Vandy's got not that role. Same level as a Cal and Stanford. I, I feel like Vandy's competitive, but not that much. They're not, they're not much quite they to that level, but they're still quite competitive. Like especially among the SEC teams, they already have Vanderbilt. Um, so I don't know, and and the ACC is fascinating too because you know Duke is also an exceptional school, um, but isn't that kind of same kind of like. Great basketball, but obviously football has been kind of, you know, middle of the road. I mean, and of course, the ACC has some tremendous public schools that would be more of a better fit, like UVA or UNC, or yeah. um, that would be an interesting fit. It's an interesting question, though. I, I, I do think Kanzano, before he went and spun off on his own, he was at the Oregonian for many years. He sometimes would write some opinions that were in. It's interesting because I actually was I, I, I've talked to the guy. I've had him. I've interviewed him before. I actually met him at the championship because he with Washington there. He came down to Houston. Um, nice guy. But I think this is one where I, I think he was pushing the envelope of being hot take because that's that's. That's wild. I, I just don't think Stanford and Cal would drop football for that. They would, worst case, they'd become independent, but I don't even think they're that, they're necessarily that desperate or that stupid to, uh, to do that. I think too many of their fans care, too much has been invested, and, and it's just an important part of their identity. I mean, the big game is uh, an important deal to those programs, and, and uh, that alone would keep them in it. Yeah. 
Hey, John, your hand's up. Yeah, three quick things. Um, first of all, that's one of the insane hot takes I've seen in quite a while. That's that's embarrassingly bad hot. I mean, that's a that's a straight up clickbait. I'm sorry. That's that's nothing more. I can't call that journalism when that's just really just a clickbait article. Um, second, what's up, Ron? Uh, third, um, I, I know I know we were just talking about it. I just want to go back to it real quick uh, regarding the six and six for the playoff. What do we think is the possibility of that being? change with, with the next agreement in two years i i only say as selfishly as a g5 person because i i don't trust <laughs> i don't trust the playoff committee uh, after what happened this past year with uh choosing liberty over smu who smu had the better strength of schedule and better and better resume in my opinion but uh, i was just kind of curious of what you what you feel about that that's a good question so here's what i think the best thing to happen to the g5 in the next two years is whatever bowl, whatever um, first round game gets a G five team. I mean, we're gonna assume we're not gonna have some like Cincinnati moment where where Cincinnati ends up bringing the top four team, you know, and therefore gets doesn't have to play that first week and just gets to to wave into the quarterfinals. But if the if we get the G five program in that first round game and hopefully. You know, I mean, again, for the optimistic thing, getting into the playoffs, either the quarters or, you know, however far they can make, if they start to bring unusually strong ratings with them, for whatever reason, maybe it becomes that that Cinderella team like we see in college basketball that can sometimes pull some interesting ratings their way. If that happens with the G5 team in Again, we're looking at a 5-7 now. But if they make it in deep, that would probably get their attention if it could bring, again, if it brings money, if it brings extra eyeballs, everyone who is a stakeholder is going to notice. So if they then renegotiate a bigger playoff um, a bigger playoff tree, because I think that may be one of the things that's going to be on the table. Because if the SEC and Big Ten start to demand like we would like to have more of our programs we'd like to get like two automatic qualifier spots because we have so many teams right now i think that's the way they're going to push it um i could see them potentially and it's been argued that they might then be tempted to after these first two years of 12 teams go to 16 teams and then it might be an interesting thing if then they also agree to allow in one more automatic qualifiers kind of a negotiation point like okay we'll agree to that if you allow this so then you'd be adding you know four new spots two of them go to these two conferences one of them go to an extra you know g5 and then you get you know one more at large space which presumably go to a p4 program maybe that's how it would happen it would be an interesting negotiation point um but I think the best thing that could happen for a second G5 to get in again, because again, for a brief moment, for those who, who may not be been following, for a brief moment, as long as they were keeping that six and six until they agreed to go to five and seven today, with the destruction of the Pac-12, the Pac-12 simply wasn't going to qualify. It was going to end up with four P4 programs and two of the G4 champs uh, in the if they had kept the six and six up until today. Um, but if they were to add one, it's TV will do it. it, it money, do, me, dollars, TV ratings, that will do it. But unless that happens, I'm not sure the G5 will necessarily have that ability to command a second spot on its own. But it's a very good question. <clears throat> All right. So again, kind of looking at one of the other things I just wanted to note, because I always like to note some of the other kind of fun stories that are going on in college football in the past week. The, in the past 
week, Northwestern has begun demolition of Ryan Field. Ryan Field's really is a really interesting stadium. I've had friends who've covered games there. It's always been a little ironic because their press box has always been on the older side. The stadium is old, not the prettiest stadium. If you look at it, it's been a patchwork of additions. It's got kind of, you know, it's being taken down for the new stadium that should open um, in time for the 2026 college football season. The university actually has yet to announce where Northwestern's going to be playing. Um, it's rumored that maybe they'll try and figure out some arrangement with the Bears and Cubs to maybe play some games at Soldier Field and Wrigley Field. Uh, certainly, they, those are could accommodate football games. We'll see. Um, but it's it's interesting to see. I mean, the, the joke, again, Northwestern really did need to upgrade this, at least upgrade the stadium in some way. And, of course, now they're rebuilding it. One of the top journalism schools in the country had one of the worst press boxes because of how old and, and unupdated it was. So that's coming. It's an $800 million project. It's not going to be enormous, but it's going to be modern. And I think that's a nice thing to have for Northwestern. It's going to be interesting to see where they play. Obviously, Kansas realized they weren't going to be able to finish anything in time for this season. So a couple of weeks ago, they announced um, their entire home slate for this season is going to be split between where uh, obviously at Arrowhead for their big 12 games. And then uh, their non-conference games are going to be at the MLS field. Um, so that's, you know, that's how they've done it. So it'll be interesting to see when Northwestern announces their games and where they're going to be playing them. I'm very curious to see that. Um, it, I always like that. I'm, it's always fun fun to see where these these programs change their venues. Uh, Ron, I know you wanted to come up and ask something. Oh, sorry, Ron. Whenever you get a chance. Oh, it looks like the system keeps dropping them and bring them back up. So uh, we'll let Ron up when he gets a chance. He can just unmute whenever. Um, hey. Oh, go ahead. Hey, I, well, while Ron is uh, waiting to get up, um, speaking of the you know, stadiums, I noticed. Yeah, like you said, the Northwestern Stadium is not really increasing size, in size, but getting you know more modern amenities. Do you think we're kind of passing the era of, you know, of mega stadiums in general? Um, I, I've always, as something I, when I was in college, we uh, studied pretty intensely or just looked at the numbers. You know, there's, there's a lot, of course, a lot of football, uh, G5 schools that have stadiums that are kind of, you know, I would say, I would honestly say too big for the program. And I always was curious if that, you know, in the future, if stadiums would lean to more smaller venues, not, you know, not saying traditionally like, you know, something that fits only 50,000 people, but, you know, venues are more realistic for the population and the people who attend, but with more amenities. So people are still staying home and watching their TV. They're coming to the games and enjoying the actual in-person amenities of the stadium experience. Well, it's interesting to bring that up because I, I remember when stadium expansions were in vogue, but I think that era ended about, oh, man, sometime in the last 20, 10 to 20 years because it shifted more to... I think, first of all, schools were obviously throwing lots of money on, especially before NIL, were really investing in on trying to make facilities for the athletes that were, you know, to, to woo them away. Uh, a, an arms race that, as some have pointed out, really we're reaching G5 programs that we're never going to win. Um, but we're kind of competing against each other for that. And now with NIL, some of that money's gone that way. But in terms of, you know, the stadiums themselves, it seems like, because for a while there, and this, some people were, I think, trying to come up with ways to blame it. Was it TV was was stealing people's desire to go to games? Was it, you know, poor quality non-conference games? Was it 
the um, the cost of games, but certainly there was a bit of a decline in college football attendance at some stadiums. So I think some of the investment, rather than expanding it, has gone to kind of creating things to make stadiums a little more fun. I mean, it was really jarring. Like when I was in Houston, just for fun, I like to walk college campuses because, you know, it's something I enjoy. I always enjoy it. So I walked around Rice, walking around Rice Stadium. It was like walking into a stadium from a long time ago. Like that stadium was so Spartan, like not Spartan, sorry, but, you know, like just minimal, you know, it was some seats, some benches. I walked on the concourse and it was basically like the junior college where I grew up. It reminded me of that venue. So, I mean, some of the, some of the, uh, I'd say some of the stadiums of, you know, UCF's an interesting example. They invested all this money in the, into their stadium to make it a little more, more stuff for the fans and the students to kind of do. So I think we'll see more of that rather than the idea of expanding a stadium to some mammoth. I think, the, the teams that could support that are already built out, and I'm not sure there's a program that's rushing to do that. I mean, the 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 example of that would be like James Madison has done a very good job of incrementally building themselves up. Like their stadium for a while was comically big for an FCS program, but that was part of their their like 10-year plan to go from being an FCS program to clearly like without skipping a beat, a very good G5 program that they did. But I mean, I think most programs aren't necessarily going to do that. I think, you know, a program like a Sam Houston, yeah, they're going to add to their stadium because they have like the tiniest stadium in FBS right now because of how they came up. But I think the other stadiums, you're right. I don't think we're going to see anyone racing to to add a huge section because that's just not where investments are going now. It's hard to get the you know, the the donors excited for that you know because the donors now want to donate to nil or whatever it takes to bring the players in um and i think that's that's the shift of where we're heading now with that yeah i mean i, I think of the biggest offenders which i hate to I hate to point them out but the mac the mac the max i think in my opinion is the biggest offenders of overly large stadiums i don't there's there's a lot of teams in that conference where it's a straight brutalism type stadiums that I feel that are just way too big for a program that's playing a lot of times on a Tuesday or Wednesday right now. And, and you, you can tell in every broadcast that it's just, it, it, it feel it looks like a ghost town in the stands. So it's just, well, I think that, and, and Tuesday games are somewhat to blame for that. While they're going for the TV exposure, it absolutely stinks for fans. I mean, I, I, cause they can fill up and for some of those rivalry games, they still do, but it's tough. I mean, when the product ain't great, it, it's difficult. And, you know, it's really tough out there if you're a Mac team because you're trying to get them interested. Some of those programs have passionate fan bases, but not all of them do. And, yeah, I, I, I sympathize with a lot of the fans and a lot of the programs. Are, you know, we had this conversation, I know, I remember a few weeks ago about how wonderful the MLS stadiums are for kind of a small but intimate, fun, like just hype environment. And that's why, you know, frankly, even though some people were joking about Kansas playing their non-conference games next season in an MLS stadium while they work on the the stadium in Lawrence. And that's going to be a really cool venue. And I think a lot of folks, especially who attend games there are going to be like, wow, this is actually, I forgot what sports, how fun this can be. You don't have to have an enormous stadium to have a great environment and MLS stadiums and new ones have, have absolutely proven that. So maybe we'll see, I don't know if I'm, if I'm a smaller G5 program, that would be what I would look at in terms of evolving my stadium. If I'm trying to, you know, get people excited. You know, we have someone else up here who wanted to join in. Um, 
<laughs> Magellan Grid or, or oh sorry Mage Ingrid sorry I just it's so funny I'll, I'll see the the font that they use is so hard for me to like pick out and then I realized you know the uh, the username actually spells it out really well Mage Ingrid too what's going on oh good evening sir and uh, good evening everybody um, I have two quick questions um, first what it, did you have a favorite game of um, the latest college football season. Oh, goodness. That's a great one. You know, gosh, we had this was a rare season where I really enjoyed the semifinals. Like they were both good in their own way. I, I think to me, the most exciting one was just the overtime Rose Bowl game. That's such a big game, such big hype. And to watch Michigan and Alabama go toe to toe and what ended up being Michigan's toughest game in retrospect, that was an exciting one. Although it was fun to watch the other semifinal in the Sugar Bowl. But I think overall, I enjoyed that one. How about you? Oh yeah, both were absolutely excellent. Like, okay, because I think um, like when the Rose Bowl ended, the uh, Sugar Bowl came like right on. Cause was it Sean McDonough? He said it ended like just moments right before they came on, which is that's some crazy timing. Like, shoot, and this this season was really, really, really crazy. Like this, there was so many good games like during the whole thing season. It's, it's too many. Like this is this is my favorite season so far. Anyways. I've been watching this for like six years, so this is my favorite. And not just coming from a Michigan fan, to like overall, this was a good season. And um, what what are your expectations for the um upcoming video game for college football? <laughs> okay, I I am I feel like I like I enjoyed the games a lot. Like let me be 100% clear. In my house somewhere, I don't know what box they're in now, but I have all of the Genesis games because I was a fanatical Genesis fan. I have Bill Walsh college football. I remember when the teams had to be called College Station because they didn't have any licenses, but you could name them after the town. So it let them name a team Clemson because it's actually in the town of Clemson, right? But you know, you couldn't you couldn't call it Texas A&M. You could call it Austin, or you could call it Texas because the state of Texas can't be trademarked. So you know they could they could get away with a few kind of rules like that. So I I loved I played some of those games relentlessly. I played on Dreamcast uh, the the brief period where there was a rival game, uh, you know NCAA two K two, with had Drew Brees on the cover. You know I, I played a lot of those games. So and I I did have you know NCAA fourteen, but all of that said, I am so worried about the expectations for this upcoming game. Um, I know a lot of people are super thrilled about it. I mean, people are genuinely thrilled about it. It doesn't feel like this is some viral campaign that's being paid for. I mean, people are really excited for it. I don't blame them, but I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait and see approach. It's like, there's, I used to be a bigger movie guy than I am now, but it used to be movies where I'm like, all right, I'll wait to see the reviews first then I'll consider it, you know, (laughs) Don't want to walk in and see because when I was in like high school, I'd see movies all the time and I'd be like, I'd, I'd walk into a lot of just garbage films, right? So, you know, as I got older, I'm like, I'll wait to see the reviews before I choose a movie. That's where I'm kind of at with the new NCAA football game. I'm going to see the reviews, then I'm going like, to some people, you know, I mean, it's EA. I, I'm old enough to remember when EA was really cool. Like, I still have some Commodore, I didn't, I threw away almost all the stuff I used to have, but I had a few Commodore 64 games and some of them were by Electronic Arts. I remember, like, for those, I mean, this I, this is going to ask people to be much older, but EA, back in the day, their games looked so different than everybody else's because the the 
packaging made a PC game look like a record album. And they would take pictures of the programmers that made a particular game, because that was back when you'd have like maybe three people program a, a video game, right? They would be on the back of the EA game and they would look like rock stars. They purposely took photos of these, you know, very geeky programmers to look like they were making like a metal album or like a glam rock album. And so like the EA games from like the 1980s looked really cool. And then by the time the Sega Genesis came around, they were doing a mix of PC game ports and, you know, successful sports video games like fifa uh obviously madden and then you know the uh the uh, ncaa series so i i mean i have a soft spot historically for ea but i know where they've kind of gone with things so i'm a little hesitant to 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 say how this game is going to turn out but man you know there's some people like when this game is done there's a couple of guys on twitter who do some reporting where i'm like what are you going to report on now like you're there's it seems like every other report you release is like here's what's coming to the NCA game i did a a freedom of information request and part of me is like this is this is like i mean i guess it's yes it's journalism but nah that it's it's funny to hear see it treated like it's some you know something that you're you're breaking some amazing news on uh on something but you know i'm hoping it's good if it's good Man, that'll be great because that there's a lot of hype here. Maybe it'll end up being like the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl, where there's a lot of hype for it and it ends up matching expectations. Yeah, and also one more thing, I'm I'm mad that my two teams gotta play against each other this upcoming season, Michigan and Texas. That's gonna be a great game, though. I mean, who <laughs> no, you? Who you I just mad at my two dang teams too. I'm like dogs on it. I gotta ask yeah, you. Though, you who, can't. You can't push- have two teams that good. You gotta choose a bad team. You gotta, you gotta drop <laughs> yeah. your oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You gotta, you gotta choose a team that really Texas, sucks. <laughs> but I gotta ask you: When push comes to shove, who's who's who? Which team are you rooting for? Dog on it. I'm gonna sadly gotta say Michigan because that I I picked them first. They had Texas like three months later after. So That's yeah, right. they're my two teams. No, that's all right. I mean, like, uh, for me, I, I do the classic, like, I am a fan of USC and Minnesota because I went to those schools. But when push comes to shove, I went to USC. That's where I got to be a real college football fan. So, yeah, no, you know, and they're playing this season. So because they're now also in the Big Ten together. But, uh, you know, I, I, you can be a fan of two teams. But, yeah, it's tricky. You got to you have to be willing to put them in order sometimes. Yeah. Um, oh, OK. I'm a, and then uh, if I get this um, the EA game, it, it'll be my first college football reader game I've played because I never played any of the other previous games before. So this will be a whole new thing for me. It'll be fun. I think it'll be fun. I don't think it'll be a total turkey. I just want to be clear that I think I'm just more worried because I see the the folks who've been looking forward to this for so long have such hype for it that I'm like, I'm going to just wait and see. I've seen too many games like I, I haven't been much of a gamer over the years in, in the last decade or so, but I certainly enjoy reading some of the, the, the crisis that happened when a game's not good and you see it on Twitter, you see it on Reddit, you see it in places. And so I'm like, well, we'll see. We'll see. I hope it's good because a lot of people want it to be good. Um, and I think it doesn't have to be like the best game ever. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that, but I mean, I hope it's, I hope it's enough that people are like, all right. And they have fun with it because that's what it is. I hope people have fun with it. And I think that's yep, great. Yep. And a good news. Absolutely. Yeah. John, hey, did you want to add something to that? Yeah. I'll, I'll just say, uh, Mage, um, it's, the, it's always the right choice to choose one of two teams. Uh, you never, never be the neutral person. If you're the person that says, I hope both teams have fun, no one respects that type of person at the end of the day. 
think they're not going to be that insane. Hopefully, they're not insane to put microtransactions, but it is oh, funny to imagine on. if they did. <laughs> oh, no. That's e- it's EA. They're definitely putting microtransactions in the same. I think people have pointed out to me, people have absolved, made me less worried about that only because they've said it isn't really in some of their other sports games. So that that's a good thing. That, uh, you know, uh, it would be pretty wild if they did, though. Like, let you as a fan truly understand what it's like to be participating in NIL by making you have to fork out money. Like, the better your player, wouldn't that be funny too? Because if you're the one controlling the player, the better you perform, the more it's going to cost you to keep them. That would be that would actually be kind of dark and funny in its own way. Ron, I see your hand up. Yo, is that your second account, Bobax Replica Buildings? What is yeah, that? it's a funny I, story. I yo, have I, that. I was for... like, hold on, yeah, I was, I've been seeing it all night. I was like, I was like, I swear to God, is that is that is that a is that a burner? Yeah, no, it's really funny. Like, I needed to create a recording, and and for some reason, Twitter on my desktop was just not agreeing with this account. It wants to actually like not because usually I'll just have this account up, and I had that backup account for a totally different hobby. And I'm like, well, I could just put it in an incognito mode and set it to record so that it, it just saves me time later on. It's a total, this is totally like boring logistics, but it's how I cast site. So it's so I don't have to stay up afterwards and like play the whole thing again. Uh, but it was giving me difficulty. So yeah, I just switched it up with that account, which is kind of funny. I was wondering if people would see that, but I didn't really do you, you know. Do you, do you freehand those or like are these like guided? Oh, God. Go, you're not assembling these yourself. Oh no, 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 yeah, no. They're 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 I buy them. I, I don't trust me. I got okay. <laughs> my time is already full. I couldn't possibly. <laughs> I, I study architecture for fun too, so it's just an opportunity to kind of exercises in writing um in other places. Yeah, I mean I gotta ask. I mean, what what's your favorite building, of course? I mean it's, there's there's oh a lot God. of this picture. There's a lot of picture. I did look at it. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Boy, um, that that's a real that's a tough question. That's like asking a movie person what their favorite movie is if they like movie. Like, I've never been that type of person, so I, I don't want I don't want to I don't want to necessarily distract and go into that whole story because I mean it's I mean again you know it, it is sort of funny that that's out there, but yeah. So I don't want to bore everybody listening about you know little replica buildings or anything like that. You know, actually we have someone else up here. Level up, Luke. What's going on? Hey, man, it's been a, a quick minute here, but I got to ask about these replica buildings. And oh do you really God. have that handlebar mustache? What is going on? This is amazing. Yeah, that's that's what it's so funny, too, because some people at RCFE, like the website, know what I look like, because every time we do the holiday drive, I especially before the pandemic, I would go and dress as Santa and we do a toy drive and we buy a bunch of things and drop it off in person at the local uh, Toys for Tots warehouse, you know, so it'd be a picture of me and the Marines and whatever. But yeah, no, I, 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 uh, I do have the, some people have called it the Lemmy, like the, the guy, the motorhead guy yes. passed away, you know, like I've had that really since is. I had my first kid. Like I had, I had, a, I had a, a, like just a goatee kind of thing. And then after, you know, I sneezed while shaving in my twenties, I went to a handlebar. And then after I had a kid, I grew a beard. Just first few months of a kid, you just don't want to do anything. You know, other than take care of a newborn, right? And then I just cut it into that. So I've had that, gosh, at this point for twelve years. So yeah. Um. <laughs> well, I, I think I, I think I can speak for just about every guy. When we grow out the beard and then we decide to shave it, we do it in phases where we cut it down to like the full goatee, and then we do the handlebar and like laugh at ourselves in the mirror for a second, and then cut it down to the mustache and also consider that, and then go like full clean shaven. So. <laughs> I, I respect that you have like the full Lemmy. That's amazing. Well, yeah, you skipped, yeah, the, you you skipped a very important step in the shaving process, though. Maybe this is a little more niche that the the mutton chops 
You always got to give oh, those. Oh, yeah. You got to yeah, give those. Yeah. 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 Good call. Good call. No, <laughs> I, I originally requested to talk about like ultimate team mode in EA Sports, but this is so much more fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I could tell you because I teach on the side as an adjunct and then the students dig it. So, you know, it's a, it's a look. It's a choice with the jewelry and all that stuff. Uh, I get weird, funny. It's funny because, um, as I said, I cover some of the college football stuff, uh, you know, in person. And so it, I see people I haven't seen in ages and they'll be like, oh, hey, it's you. You know, I mean, it, it, that's always a little bit useful in that sense. But um, yeah, no, ultimate team mode will be <laughs> interesting. Um, oh, my goodness. Well, that's that's where they bring in the microtransactions. So oh, Dynasty, right. Dynasty mode doesn't have any. Ultimate team mode does. So they uh, have already, there have been some like Hall of Fame college football players that have said that they're in the game. So there's going to be some kind of an ultimate team mode where you like unlock packs of trading cards and they're actually players. And then you take your college ultimate team and play against other people in multiplayer mode online. They're going to have that because every EA sports game has that. And that's where they get you with the microtransactions. But the sickos like me who miss NCAA football I think, like, I mean, if you're like me, it's for dynasty mode because you want to take, apparently they're going to have FCS schools. You want to start at an FCS school and build it up into a powerhouse and, like, realign into FBS and, like, take over the SEC. Like, that's your dream is domination. <laughs> I, I agree, except what I used to do is I would make a team because I would, and I would have fun, like, I'd usually make one of two teams. I thought it would be hilarious if Alaska had a team. So I'd make, I'd had this whole yes. Alaska team, or I made Cal State Bakersfield, where I grew up, have a team, but except I'd make it like Baco State or something like that. And uh, yeah, no, I used to have fun with that. It would always be fun to see who would get kicked out when you get invited to a conference. You know, what, what team it was, or... Uh, I think sometimes, though, even then, I would feel awkward, so I would actually switch out USC just because I didn't like having to play my alma mater with, with the team I made up. It just felt too weird. You know, I don't know. That that sounds weird, but yeah. Yeah, everybody has their comfort level, but can you imagine if they have, like, a stadium editor or, I mean, even if it's in a mod pack? College football playoff uh, had a little bit more uh, development. And with that, we now have a format for the next Two or three seasons. Uh, I'm a little fuzzy on that. It's two, it's yeah. Eight president dropping to the media that he did not name which conference was wanting this, but the possibility of a conference asking for four automatic um, that only leaves one. Uh, but I just wanted to uh, throw that out there for a uh, topic of discussion. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I think it's going to be, I think, I wonder if. There's going to be a couple of, I think, things coming in play here because if they do decide to go with more automatic qualifiers versus, you know, all at large, which seems to be, yeah, the, the SEC approach has always been, we just want all at large because they know the, the, they're, and I'm not saying there's, that's illegitimate, but that's been their approach. But if they do, like, I think more automatic qualifiers, and it could be that both, quite frankly, the SEC and Big Ten would be in, interested in this. I wouldn't be shocked if they go to 16 teams. That's been something that has apparently already come up, which is kind of funny because we haven't even played a 12-team playoff yet, that they're already talking about potentially expanding it. I always thought 16 seemed rounder only because I like the idea of just a normal, you know, like playoffs immediately starts. There's no, you know, you don't get to, to skip a uh, round. It's just everyone dives right in. Um, but that would also allow potentially more of their teams to get in. 
Um, it was interesting because we were just talking, John was earlier talking about like how, because before today, before the uh, Washington state president agreed to to not hold up the 5-7 vote and allowed the the playoff format for the next two seasons to go from six and six to five automatic qualifiers and and seven at large teams. Had they not done that, it would have been the the P four champs plus two G five champs because the Pac twelve no longer qualified. They they had already all agreed that the Pac twelve with two teams did not qualify for one of those spots. So had they not, it would have been. So John had asked, how do we get another P five in later? I said, you know, if they go to sixteen teams and they allow some automatic qualifiers, and maybe that would be a negotiation point. But I'm not sure. I, it would be interesting to see. I, I think I, I'm, I'm doubtful that would ever happen unless in these next two years, for whatever reason, and maybe it can happen, you see a little bit in, in, in the college basketball tournament, if you get kind of a Cinderella run, suddenly the TV ratings explode on those particular games in a way that ESPN and because it seems like it's going to be ESPN with that kind of is going to have control over it now. Uh, they paid to to have it because I guess there wasn't enough bidding from the other potential uh, uh, media entities. Then you know suddenly you're going to get a little bit of pressure to let in you know another G five. And frankly, if there's enough money to go around to everybody, everyone will be interested in that because that's I think the bottom line. A lot of this is being changed by money. So if you have an incredible run by a, a G five Cinderella, Cinderella, maybe you get a second spot, but I don't want to put the cart before the horse. That was kind of catching you up on some of the earlier discussion we had on this. Does anyone else? I mean, again, if you have comments on this, please raise your hand if you'd like to, to join in. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting heading into this next season, as you said. Uh, we're and and we are right now in that that weird spot between these two days of important conferences because today we got the the, the confirmation that they're moving to five and seven. Now tomorrow, supposedly, come the tough asks from the Big Ten and the SEC on what the future of the playoff after the next two years is going to look like. Will there be no automatic qualifiers? Will there be and just all at large? Will there be more automatic qualifiers? Will there be 16 teams? There is the kind of, you know, threat, I don't know threat, but specter of the Big Ten and SEC deciding to, after two years, they're going to say like, okay, cool, we'll play these two years, but here's what we're going to, we're going to create our own system for the, the seasons afterwards. And, you know, ESPN, which has not confirmed that they're going to be the, the TV sponsor for the future. I mean, there was a report last week that they were going to, you know, they'd signed on to be, I guess, the, the partner until 2032 or something. And, and that was walked back. It was apparently like, if things worked out, they would do that. Uh, if they were to propose something that seems more attractive and, and you know, tell everyone else in, in FBS, take it or leave it, come and join us or don't, you know, that might create an interesting situation um, of pressure on, on, on all of those. But since you're bringing that up, level up. Luca, I, I see your hand up. Yeah, well, that's a really good point about, you know, the Big Ten and the SEC thinking about doing their own thing. Um, really, I think it's the, the media rights holders for the, the Big Ten and the SEC that we're we're really talking about. And do you think, I mean, have you heard anything about this conglomerate package they're looking to roll out in the fall to like combine the sports viewing into one app or one kind of service between ESPN, the regional sports affiliates and, and whoever else? Uh, what is it? TNT, yeah, it's, it's interesting because it's not a hundred percent complete. It is. It's ESPN. I forgot. It's like Discovery Warner, which I forgot which it's some of the sports channels are in that conglomerate. 
And um, it gets a good amount of it. It's not going to be 100% complete. But um, I don't know how much that's going to to necessarily... It's so new that it, it, I don't know how much sway it's going to have. Um, it does bring up a much larger picture that we're thankfully not going to have to worry about, at least in the next few years. When all these TV deals come back again for renegotiation, it's probably going to be, because I mean, it's as it's been mentioned before, the Pac-12 deal that that eventually just caused everyone to leave um, was because uh, streaming services couldn't offer enough, like Apple and couldn't offer enough uh, guarantees after that same kind of don't worry it doesn't sound much now but it's going to be bigger later is what got the pac-12 into the pac-12 network debacle that's why all those presidents were like no no we're not we, we, we we've been hosed by this particular philosophy before but the reason i bring it up is the thought is in about five to ten years with the way cable has changed that it's not clear that terrestrial cable can make that kind of a guaranteed deal that would have been more attractive. And for example, what the big 12 got, the big 12 may have got the very last one. Um, because right now, you know, looking at what happened with the CFP TV deal, it was clear that ESPN wants to be the one in it, but they were, I think the CFP was hoping for a bit more of a bidding war and it found zero interest uh, from NBC and Fox to really compete with ESPN on the kind of money they were looking at. So it wasn't a disaster, but it was a sign that maybe the market has kind of hit an interesting point where these, uh, these sports cable networks can't quite make it happen. And, and it would be a package deal like what you've described, but it's still, we're still too early to know where it's going to go. I saw your hand up again. I, I want to let you to follow up. Yeah, sorry. It was a Twitter glitch. It was like spazzing the hand up thing, but um, no, I was just going to say the postscript was uh to that Apple offer to the Pac-12, uh, they basically had said, well, look what we're doing with the MLS. And that was still a proposed deal. Now we're going into the second year of the MLS dedicated like Apple Plus package. And they've been making a lot of spending cuts uh, to that MLS package. There has been no original content going into this season. They're like, it's unreal. Uh, like on the interface, it's all oh, Lionel Messi and Inter Miami, but there is nothing for any other team and they've made cuts to the broadcasting teams, cuts to the staffing. Um, they've expanded the Spanish language coverage, but that's about it. So us MLS fans are looking at that very hesitantly. Like, you know, they put out all these press releases last year saying the numbers were great, saying they had exceeded uh, their their goals and hit um, some kind of thresholds where they were paying out MLS more money, which is what they had told the Pac-12 they were going to do. But now we're seeing a lot of budget cuts in year two. So how, how much is that really working? Um, obviously they, they tell you the numbers they, they want to share publicly, but um, you know, the PAC 12 may have, even if they had taken that offer ended up in the same situation, you know, a year down the road. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's why those university presidents were like, no, this is, this is too much risk. And it may have, again, can you imagine if that was what they were locked into it would have been a fiasco. Um, it would have been, I mean, it was a bunch of bad offers and bad situations there. You know, TriStar, I see you want your, you have your hand up. I'll let you up here as well. Um, again, this is our CFB Talk 182. It's Tuesday night. We like to talk about whatever y'all want to talk about in college football. We touched on a lot of topics. I don't mind circling back because, again, uh, we know not everyone's listening constantly. Um, so, yeah, TriStar, what's going on? What's going on, you guys? Uh, how y'all doing tonight? Great. How are you? 
I'm, I'm great. I'm currently, I was in Lubbock, Texas just a minute ago. I'm out here in West Texas currently. <laughs> but um, anyways, you know, to tell you about myself, you know, as a side thing, you know, outside my normal job, I cover the University of Tennessee. And a lot of people are talking about how, oh, the, is the Big Ten and SEC are going to consolidate everything. And it's going to go to two 24 conference I mean, two, ugh, I'm sorry, I can't talk. Two 2014-like super conferences and basically NFL light and all that stuff. I, I can tell you right now, with them doing that in the long term, they're going to run off so many fans. Because the reason so many people, including myself, love college football is because it's not the NFL. We're like, if we wanted to watch something like the NFL, we would just go watch the NFL. And, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, and and I've been saying this, you know, I've been in, in these states, you know, like I was in Oregon a few months back, back in like September. Uh, I was talking to a lot of their fans that how, how they feel about leaving the Pac-12 to join the Big Ten. And overwhelmingly, from what I heard, they hated it because they're like, we're on the West Coast. Like we have no business all the time going out there to the Midwest or Pennsylvania or, you know, all, you know, 3000 miles across the country. And one thing I think gets lost in all this, because all, all you hear about is, oh, is the TV contracts, TV contracts. Correct if I'm wrong. How much is, uh, let's just say Oregon. How much is Oregon getting from the big 10 starting this year? Are they getting a me hundred percent share? No, they're not. They, the, Washington, okay. Oregon were willing to take a lower cut to jump in as late as they okay. did. Okay. So think about this. For people that maybe they don't know, they didn't just join in football. They joined in everything. Football, basketball, baseball, softball, any sport they have, they're in the Big Ten. And I've said this, yes, they might be getting an extra $40 million, but when you factor in all the overhead costs of all that travel, it's actually, they're not going to be making out much better than if they had just renegotiated a TV contract with the Pac-12. I think, all, long well, I think their other concern was just relevancy because they're, they're, I think they were a little concerned, especially with USC and UCLA already on already out. They were going to be stuck in a position oh. where, you know, it's kind of like what Florida state is kind of, of rattle. I mean, well, rattling sabers. They're actually, pardon me. They pulled the sabers. They're already trying to, to kill the, uh, kill their deal and sever it. But I mean, I think that's well, what they would have been stuck in. Well, I'll say this eventually if people think that these big giant super conferences are going to be like this forever, it's not because th think about this. You're bringing in schools where they were the big shot callers in their conference. And now they're having to be second, third wheel. And they've got huge giant egos. Like for example, Texas, Texas is known for having a giant ego. Like, yeah, we're big, bad Texas. Like we, we run things. And they're going to be playing second field. And I can tell you right now, I can see a lot of these schools that are joining these conferences. A lot of them, I think eventually over time, we're going to start having buyer's remorse because they're like, you know, yeah, we're getting this money, but our overhead cost is tripled and we're not really coming out nearly as good as what we thought. Like we just seen all the money and all that stuff and we killed what tradition we had. And yeah, you know, USC and all those West Coast teams, we're not getting nearly the viewers to say in the SEC because you got to think of your location. 
you're three hours behind and two hours behind most of the population of the United States. So yeah, you're not you're not going to get nearly the viewers. I don't care if you even join the Big Ten, and it's simply off the fact is, you know, like I said, I think all this is going to work itself out. I'll give an example: University of Maryland. I've I talk to several Maryland fans all the time here on Twitter, and so many of them wish like big, and they'll say that was literally just over money. That had nothing to do with being more competitive or anything like that because they're like hell with how down the ACC is now like and with all the talent in that DMV area like they'd be dominating the ACC like they did for decades and as an ACC fan we'd love to have them honestly yeah it like, makes sense. I, I, like some, some of my like I've said this I've told South Carolina fans I said y'all would be much better off if y'all just swallowed your pride a little bit and went back to where you where you were for years Go back to the ACC. Because all your natural rivals are over there. West Virginia, too. Hey, let us have West yeah, Virginia, too. I, I, well, I, 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 I'll explain this. So you guys are familiar with college football revamped, right? On, you know, the mod on NCAA. Of course. And that's one thing I'm really hoping that on the new NCAA, they do have, you know, not just a playoff format, but have it where you can do the old BCS format, or if you want to do it like where, say, if you won the Big Eight or whatever, you went to the Orange Bowl and that was it. And easy you can enough vote on the title. Yeah, you just put yeah, it in the settings like, menu for Dynasty. And, yeah, and not only that, like have and I said, I told them this. I said I'd have it where if you wanted to bring back, say, the Big East, you could you could actually bring that conference back. They would and, never do that because of media rights. But if it's on PC, you'll have mods that'll do that like within the oh, first yeah. week. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'd be in favor of bringing back the Southwest Conference, the old Big Eight. And, like, it, it's funny I mentioned that about, like, you know, see, I'm in the state of Nebraska a lot. I talk to numerous Nebraska fans, and, that, and it's kind of funny about the Maryland thing. They say the same thing. They wish they could go back to the Big 12. <laughs> hey, and, uh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead, Try to start. I'm oh, sorry. I was just going to say, you know, uh, back to my revamp thing. So I'll, I'll give you some re uh, conference how I got it set up. So I'll use the AC. Who, who's who's hey. about it's college football revamped is an NCAA football. I have that. You're, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. That's it's an PC people where they took like the 32 NFL teams and like customized them. But like, like the ACC, for example, like it was, I had Maryland, Virginia, Virginia tech. I put Appalachian state in there. Tell me you would not want Wake Forest, Duke, North Carolina, NC state. Clemson, South Carolina, UCF, Miami. That's your ACC. Mm -hmm. And you might be asking, where's Georgia Tech and Florida State? Well, they're in the SEC. And uh, Arkansas leaves, Missouri leaves, A&M, Texas, Oklahoma. They're back to where they should be, the way, the way God intended it. <laughs> Koozie, I see you thumbs down and down there. <laughs> I mean, that's... It, the NCAA 25 will have a realignment option where you can change things as it goes, but we have the mod community for everything else. And yeah, I'll, I'll hang yeah. up and let someone else talk. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, college football lounge. I know your hand's been up and drawn. I see your hand up. I just wanted to let you guys uh, jump in. Yeah. So, you know, I think what tries to saying, um, th there's a lot of validity to that geography matters in all these uh, changes that college football has over the past decade plus now. And, you know, when you're looking at the Pac-12, 
USC and UCLA, just those two to the Big Ten never. No, and, they didn't. You're only on the West Coast. Um, actually, I think they didn't intend in the beginning for it to end up this way. But now that the fact that Washington and Oregon are going along with them is going to help mitigate that factor to an extent. And then when you're Washington and Oregon, it seems like the uh, they're going to continue to play the Apple Cup going to continue to play the Civil War game. Um, that'll mitigate it a little bit further. Um, but, you know, when you look at the Big 12, which I I'm, I went to Oklahoma, Oklahoma fans. So. Love Brahms, by the way. Great. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Yeah. Best milkshake. So, <laughs> when you look at the Big 12 now, and, you know, there's been a lot said about you know, how good of a job the Big 12 has done surviving and adding these new members in the wake of the Pac-12 dissolving. Well, I mean, you look at the Big 12 now, and that conference now stretches from Utah to West Virginia, actually Florida. Um, yeah, and so, wasn't they talking about adding you? Yeah, so, I mean, w- when you look at Oklahoma and Texas, you know, me personally as an Oklahoma fan leaving the Big 12 – you know, now I'm looking at, okay, well, now we'll play Arkansas and we'll play Missouri and we'll play LSU. And the SEC still makes sense to me geographically. Um, the new Big 12 really doesn't. Um, and then the ACC, depending on how that shakes out, I know that. But Florida State, it's funny you mention that. Florida State, they, they've, but it's weird, like the SEC and Florida State have flirted with. Back in the back in the 70s, Florida tried to join the SEC. The SEC said no. And then the 80s, it was the other way. The SEC tried to get Florida State. Florida State told them no. In 91, they tried to get Florida State again. They said no. That's when we went and got South Carolina in 2011. When they were going at A&M, they tried to get Florida State again, and they told them no. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if the end game here is, you know, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, football is going – football and maybe men's basketball, but definitely football, you know, it's going to break away and become its own thing. It's not. Fo- it's not. Because football has the sort of unique situation that you play once a week. You It's typically on a Saturday, not always, but typically. Whereas the non-revenue sports and even basketball, you know, you're playing multiple – you're, you're participating multiple times a week. It may be during the week. Um, so maybe that's feasible for football. But, you know, geography, particularly when it comes to the Olympic sports, is incredibly important. And it's to me, I don't see how it's going to be sustainable over the long term to have um, Olympic sports with all this travel. You know, exactly. Uh, I do. Uh, and if they do, that's going to create a real problem for the Olympic sports because it's going to cost a lot of money, especially for some of the smaller programs. Um, we're not talking the top of programs that can afford to pay all these guys uh, and men and women, of, you know, equal amounts at, a, at, at that kind of level. But um, it might be something where if they get football kind of off the books into its own universe, they can then kind of go back to like, OK, all the other sports you know, can kind of go back to how things were. And then if that happens and suddenly the other sports may then not be, because if football goes into its own universe, 
then the conferences as such wouldn't make any more sense for the non-football sports. So then maybe you see them reconstitute into more geographically sensible situations where you see, for example, you know, programs in the West Coast that were in football will also, you know, have their non-athletic teams in, you know, the the Big West or the WAC or, or potentially some of these other um, conferences out there. I want to, I just want to say I've got a couple of hands that have been up for a while and I want to give them a chance. Uh, John and then uh, uh, Mage Ingrid. Yeah, um, my quick question was regarding, you know, what TriStar was talking about a little bit earlier. Talk about teams, you know, going back to, uh, going back to the more geographical uh, conferences. If the money makes sense in the long-term future, do you think teams like, uh, like for example, uh, South Carolina goes back to a conference where they could maybe have a better uh, statistical chance of getting an automatic bid now with this new college football playoff structure? I mean, I I, I think South Carolina is, you know, I think it's a, it's a good, great team, but it's hard for me to imagine them getting the auto bid in the SEC when it's it's such a cool <laughs> conference. So, do you think South Carolina is going to, uh, if they were to join the ACC, would automatically just slaughter all the other teams? I, I, mean, I, I don't know if I necessarily see that. I, I, I wouldn't say that. I think they have better odds, though. I think I think if you look at percentage odds, I think the percentage odds are better in the ACC versus the SEC. <laughs> I, I know that upsets a lot of people, but I mean, I, I'm just looking I, at the, kind of the reality. It's a big assumption. <laughs> Those teams aren't exactly <laughs> terrible. But uh, uh, it's interesting. Uh, uh, Mage Ingrid. Oh, oh, oh sorry. No Thank worries. you. Here I am. Oh, shoot. Okay, so uh, who's it? Tristar. Um, Yeah, but when you talk about the um, the conferences, they honestly shouldn't have gotten rid of the Pac-12. It was pretty much fine just the way it was, honestly. And, like, what you say about West Virginia? They, yeah, they should be with the ACC, honestly, because of uh, the geographic-wise. That's what I'm talking about. And I'll, I'll add this. Here's where, what I would have done. Colorado ne- never made the Big 18. That made no sense. What I would have done is this. Utah, yes. Add to BYU. And then add, like, te- and because you've already, with Boise, you've already got kind of a natural rivalry in Washington. And I think if they'd done that and kind of kept it up, just up to, like, kind of that I-15 corridor, it would have made it a lot more. Yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't work out. I think they just weren't able to please. I mean, it is sort of funny how the big teams then eventually just got fussy with both the Big Twelve and the and the the Pac twelve. Although, really, it was USC, and then UCLA just was happy to needed the money. UCLA. That's the funny thing. UCLA and all of this, they 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 are kind of quietly under the radar. They're not. Arizona stole their thunder with how much of a financial uh, a fiasco they ended up when they found out they were short. Uh, 200 and well, now they've revised it down to only, and I put that in air quotes, 177 million dollars. But uh, yeah, UCLA is also desperate for money because they they for just not managed well. Um, let's see, I'm going to slowly start wrapping this up. But College Football Lounge, I see your hand up. Yeah, I just wanted to say real quick, you know, one very small example of what we've been talking about. So, Oklahoma wrestling. Um, so there was some question about what was going to happen with Oklahoma wrestling and the big 12. Naturally, there was some resistance to letting Oklahoma wrestling stay in the big 12, which is what Oklahoma wrestling wanted to do. And they ultimately, the big 12 came around and agreed to that. So with the pac 12, um, I'm just, do you, have you heard anything about that as far as situations like that, where, on the west coast instead of 
transitioning to the uh, Big Ten? That's a great question. I don't know. I uh, And Level Up, Luke, do you have a thoughts on this? I believe, if somebody can check me on this, I believe I heard the the WAC, the Western Athletic Conference. Yeah, that's what I was leaning them. towards. I think they yeah, found I, I, a home for those yeah. oddball sports. You know, it's interesting, too. I remember at one point, and I, it's a long time ago, I think they figured out a, w- a way to resolve it, but Cal State Bakersfield was technically an associate member of the Pac-12 because they had a wrestling team. And I think they eventually just dropped wrestling. But uh, that was kind of like there were a couple of – if you actually looked at the back end of some of these conferences, yeah, you'd see those kind of oddballs that were uh, that were in it because, you know, it wasn't quite the sort of respected formality of Johns Hopkins being a honorary Big Ten member because they play really good lacrosse, but also, you know, academically they're part of that that research alliance that that is actually – what people don't really talk about, the, the core and the back of the uh, – historically the Big Ten is they're all part of a, a research group um that 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 shares facilities and shares some of their uh their resources between all those universities but we've been going on for well over an hour 20 minutes uh this is our cfb talk 182 we do these every tuesday night i'm bob akairi um it's always fun talking to all of you and, and it was a great conversation i i really wanted to thank everyone who joined it at any given time because you guys add to it it's it's fun to hear your thoughts and uh, we all love this sport. And you know what? It seems like every week, I think it's going to be a quiet week. And then wackiness takes place. I mean, as I pointed out, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow uh, with these proposals that are going to come from the uh, the Big Ten and SEC on what the playoffs going to look like after the next two years. So lots of stuff to talk about. We'll be back again Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. So on behalf of all of us at RCFB, thanks for listening. Now I'm going to hang up and listen.